Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host DC with me as always is Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, how are you? The enthusiasm to start off the show. It almost makes me believe that football's coming back. I'm going to be Captain, Captain Optimist on today's pod, it feels like. Also with us, it's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how are you doing? Doing wonderfully. It sounds like you'll be taking over Jer's role tonight as uh, Captain Optimist, so that's good. Yep, we're going to get into uh, chances college football is going to be played. We're also going to preview the linebackers for the Iowa Hawkeyes in this coming 2020. Jerry, see, I said 2020, not 2021 college football season. But first, guys, subscribe to the podcast wherever you guys listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We were going to kick off the show with the very simple question of how do you like your steak? You guys feel free to answer that question if you want to kick things off. But I'm going to start off with a different way. What percent chance would you give there being a season this fall right now? Jer, you seem to be a little bit more pessimistic than you normally are in this program. So what percent chance are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a 50-50 shot. That's it. That's it. I'm giving it a 50-50 shot. One of the reasons why is a mutual friend of ours continues to send me text messages telling me how bad it is inside of a given athletic department. And then there's another friend, mutual friend of ours, who does a lot of consulting with athletic departments who continues to tell me about the conversations that they're having behind closed doors. And those conversations behind closed doors are, ba- are twofold. One, they don't know if they can trust the hundreds of athletes that they're going to bring on the campus. Two, how do you make only athletes come to campus if they're going to be shutting down the rest of the campus to the rest of the, the actual students? And if these are student hyphen athletes, how can you justify bringing them onto a campus? And the other reason being that the Ivy League has shut down all athletics until January 1st. They're giving themselves the right till the end of July to kind of figure out if they're going to reschedule. But the first domino has officially fallen on college athletics. And as we know from what happened in March, the Ivy League was the first domino to shut that down. And I know, D.C., you especially have points against kind of what I'm saying. But there seems to be a lot of talk with people that are in the know and a lot of people behind closed doors conversations, it just doesn't sound like anybody really knows what's going on. And that makes me worried that they don't know what's going on. This question was specifically to the fall. So if I were to ask you if this meant in the spring, does that change your 50, 50 shot at all? Sure. (laughs) You sound so defeated (laughs) champ. The Ivy League news, as Jerry alluded to, has really given more pessimists like Jerry, apparently, fuel to the fire of there not being a college football season. What percent chance are you giving there being a season this fall? So I think there's a 0% chance there is a full college football season. I don't think they're playing 12 games. I don't think they're going to have, you know, conference championships and, the you know, the playoff along with those 12 games. But prefacing that by saying I think there's about a 75% chance that there is some sort of college football season. I'll say 
at least six to eight regular season games, a conference championship, and then your normal playoffs. So I just think there's way too much money involved for there not to be a season played. I mean, we talked about this a little bit pre-show. DC gave us some numbers. I'll let him tell you guys, you know, what, what he was saying specifically. But there's just so much money to be made from the just, – just with the television deals. If you have zero fans at any of these games – so let's say you, you decide let's play an eight-game season, only conference, no non-conference games. Just the TV revenue money that they can make is hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars just just off those eight games. So I don't think there's any way that they're they're going to just abolish the entire season. The, these these conferences need the money. I mean, college football, let's face it. <laughs> that is a double-edged sword, though, they, with the people you're put, dealing with. The college football, these, these players, these student-athletes in quotations, make these colleges an insane amount of money. And without college football, a lot of these colleges won't be able to run. I mean, uh, let's just be honest. I mean – they're not making their money off tuition, off of out-of-state tuition anymore. They're making their money on college football. A, a majority of these big five, big five conferences, that's how they make their money. So there, there's going to be some sort of season played. They're at least going to try to start a season. If it folds after a few games, that may happen. But they're going to make every effort they can to get this season underway. I'm with champ and I probably go even a little bit higher, meaning for the point champ said, you I know that these are student athletes, but they're looking at a very real, like taking a step back real quick. These they're student athletes. Yes. They, they are students. It's part of student athletes, but in reality, they're not student athletes. If they, if they move, the, if they were to move everything in the spring, all these big name kid players at Alabama, at Clemson, Ohio state, Notre Dame, every, any other SE school, SEC school, any big player in any major conference, they're going to sit out because you know who's not changing anything they're going to do is the NFL. And these kids don't have, don't want to jeopardize what they're going to do. So there's more inclination for these schools to have a season of some kind this fall to secure some revenue. And, and they don't, I mean, you you don't have to force kids to come play. If kids don't want to come play, they want to sit out. That's fine. They're singing in baseball right now. But they're going to move forward, I think, with or without student-athletes. on. Like, if they're going to say, we're going to have a season, you don't have to come if you don't want to, but we're playing. Listen, I, I don't have anything against that. And at the end of the day, correct. You're 100% right. My whole point is, is that it's just so – the two directions that this seems to be going in with schools shutting down and other issues related with that, and then bringing these kids back, it just – it doesn't seem right. And – like we've had, we've had unions form before about pay. So you're, you're now making, like Champ said, you're not bringing these students onto campus to play a sport, to basically fundraise for the school because the school can then not pay the teachers to then Zoom teach these kids that are at home. And they're making the majority of them, not a single red cent. And the letter of intent, or not the letter of intent, but the name and likeness still isn't done. So they can't make anything off of what, commercials in between these games it just seems like a big hypocritical mess and then you have the ncaa governing body that oversees all of it who's not saying a goddamn thing but i'm sure are still investigating a hundred dollar dinners that they can then go suspend somebody for so all of this just continues to be a fucking mess in my opinion and it's it just it it doesn't seem right to do i don't know it's 100 a mess but you have to also keep in mind we're dealing with kids right now who that age group, they're literally throwing parties to try and catch COVID. 
They literally have like they're not they're they're going to and they they view college football and college athletics as a way to get to a professional level to a bigger payday. They're going to come back and play college football if they're fine having parties and and to try to catch COVID for for pots of money. They're going to be these ones who are have the opportunity to play professional football. They're going to come back and play. You give them the opportunity. They're going to like that's all that there is. As you guys have both said that I pull. We were talking about some. Uh, money stats earlier just because the ivy league's canceling football because they had the leading the way in the conference tournaments back in march what the ivy league makes in football versus what like a power five like the big Ten, for example is night and day the ivy league this is scott doctor retweeted this earlier today 30.1 million dollar in football revenue in, in 2019 for the ivy league the big 10 brought in 1.02 billion with a b in that same year there's just a substantially different amount of money at play. So to use the Ivy League as the initial domino to fall, I'm not saying that that, that means that they, there won't be major domino. Football. It is a domino. I don't know if it is. There's a, such a difference in the amount of money there that you basically can it, ignore what the Ivy League's wanting to do. And that's <laughs> just one of the conferences that you mentioned, the Big Ten making over a billion dollars. That's not even including any of the other four. So let's put it into perspective. If, if you include all five power conferences – Let's say it's around five billion dollars that they're making off of college football, compared to thirty million dollars. Making a billion. Okay, fine. Even four billion. Even if they're not making that much, four billion dollars compared to thirty million. That's not even a drop in the bucket. That's it's, not even a sweat drop on a football field. That's how little it is compared to what these other conferences are making. It's not for the money, but it's a domino in the sense that it's hard to be the first one. So if people are already hemming and hawing and they're on the fence like I like to do on this podcast, it's easier to kind of push yourself once somebody else does it first. But it's, it, but it's also easy for that, for, for let's say the Ivy League specifically to do it because the money is not nearly what it would be. That's 100%. Okay, but what is the actual money for somebody like the MAC or the Mountain West or some other conference that's next in line for that? What is their revenue actually looking like compared to what, it, what it's going to be to bring them onto campus have these kids potentially get COVID. And on top of that, I, I'm let's, I, let's eliminate the Mac, the Mountain West, the conferences like that. What if DC asked you, what are the chances that all five power conferences play college football in the fall? What would your percentage Just that? college football, not like we're used to just any no, sort of just let's just say it's just the power five. You're just playing conference games. This is why I tweeted it this morning, Wednesday morning. I said, this is the perfect opportunity for all these power five teams to start figuring out a way to make up their own league. Because like I said, NCAA does, is doing nothing here at all. They're doing nothing. They're not a governing body. They're just somebody to come they over. They can't really do anything. They don't, they don't have a commissioner. But, it's not right. like they have a commissioner of all of college football. So then why do they need him? This guy who oversees the NCAA, all they do is take your trophies away. So now's the time to start talking about leaving then. And then but, you can but, treat your players right and actually treat it like a job. Oh, I don't. I don't think those are the, those things are related whatsoever. I still think that they will try to try to uh, uh, take money out of the, keep the money out of those kids' hands, no matter who's in charge of what. Oh yeah, sure. But you get the the impermissible benefits goes but, away. No, but what I'm saying is that, or what I'm trying to say here is that they don't need. They've never even used. I mean, go back to March when they were canceling the tournaments. The only thing that the NCAA chose to do was not go with the NCAA tournament. Each conference ultimately had to decide whether or not to have their conference basketball tournament. The Big East, for heaven's sakes, decided in the middle of a game to, to stop their tournament. Right. Like these, yeah. these conferences ha already have all the power. They just have to move on it. Right. There's a report today that the Big Ten is going to, is looking to, to move to a 10-game conference-only schedule. 
that mean they're not even acknowledging the fact that all of their conference teams have non-conference agreements with with eight other power five conferences and the smaller conferences that camp just made that you could throw out the window they only care about each other and that's, they don't need another commissioner they have a commissioner in each of the com- major power five conferences Right now, it's just time to break away. To answer your question originally, Champ, I would say it's a 99% chance that there's some sort of college football that's going to be played. But like, I don't know what what the what what the point, is, what they're playing for, how that works, what the playoff looks like. I don't know how that's going to get figured out so quickly. But while I got this pessimistic hat on because I don't wear it very often, what happens if an offensive lineman at Alabama dies? Is it worth it? I'm just. I'm just no, asking. I'm playing a just asking game. It goes in the next question. What are the what are the things that these schools and these conferences need to figure out in order to actually play football? I think it's a very valid question. It's balancing that risk of having a student athlete, because at the end of the day, there's still an unpaid student athlete dying because of this virus and be and, and weighing that over when you know underneath playing college football games that bring in millions and billions of revenue for to to fund the other college programs on campuses right it just feels icky knowing that even if one kid dies if one kid dies to pay these schools the money that they need to function despite charging the rest of us 30 grand a fucking year to attend their campuses 30 grand that's light i was just i was just throwing out a number that was my number that was the number i've had to pay for four times four I, it feels icky. It, it feels really gross. And to answer the question, like, how do the sidelines look? Are coaches wearing masks? Are players in full shields? What is the helmet going to do? Like, you're in, those linemen, which are probably the most susceptible to potentially have further harm happen from COVID, are going to be banging each, each other's face heads the whole game. A hundred yeah. sometimes a game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So they, they're going to have to weigh those. They're going to have to come up with something and they're going to have to weigh those, you know, whether or not it's worth it or not. And uh, we're going to have to see who the hell knows. Nobody knows anything. That's the key. That's what we all, that's what we always come back to at the end of all these conversations. We can debate it for hours and go back and forth, but it's just, that's 2020. You know what I categorize 2020 as just a big question mark because nobody knows anything. What's going to happen tomorrow, let alone what's going to happen in September when college football is supposed to start? Yeah, I mean, it's truly exhausting, truly just I'm sick of trying to figure out what might be. But w- let's play the game. What do you think? We bo- I think we all agree that there's going to be some form of football Well, there's just a power five conferences playing or, or what. But what do you think that season looks like? Is it the, is it the conference-only 10-game schedules that the Big Ten is floating out there as today? Champ, what do you think the season looks like? Yeah, I think it's going to be some sort of conference-only, whether it's, you know, eight games, whether it's 10 games. Ideally, they would start out with a high number like 10, you know, try to start the season and then, you know, adjust on the fly. They're not going to say, we're only going to have a four-game season and then, you know, oh, actually, now we can add some more. They're always going to start off high. They're going to try to get as many games as they, in as they can. So something like a 10-game conference-only schedule makes a lot of sense. And then if, you know, things are happening, then you could always try to lower games or get the season done faster. Yeah. Who's, so, we, so we just went through this baseball thing, right, where they're going back and forth, deciding on games. And like Champion just mentioned, they're going to want the highest amount of games that goes into the winter time. Well, not if it's you're different, in baseball. <laughs> right. It's different for baseball because they're doing it based on – that's based on determining how much the players are getting paid. Right. Yes. But it, my bigger question is, is who's representing the players in these types of negotiations within the conferences? 
No like, one is. Right. And that's just, again, it feels but so here, gross. I, I'm not saying it doesn't feel gross, sport. but that's the way that, that's the way this has been. It, that's yeah, not any I mean, different. That, Anytime you watch that's college my football, point. you can feel gross because they don't, they're not getting paid and they're making billions of dollars for everybody else. Uh, it just seems worse when there's like a, the potential of death. <laughs> does, does watching the NCAA tournament make you feel gross because they're not getting paid then and they, you know how much money they're making for you know their schools and whoever else, the ADs are just raking in money because so-and-so team goes to the Final Four. How about Loyola Chicago a few years ago? They went to the Final Four and out of nowhere and just drove money to that school. Did that make you feel gross too, Jerome? Yes. Okay. So there's a level of grossness you're going to have to feel to watch. But those Loyola kids didn't have the potential of dying because of a pandemic. Like, there's a difference. I know. I understand that. They they still could have had – potentially life-threatening injuries from playing basketball of course that's that's part of what is part of the sport i'm talking about something different here and there's the, there's just nobody that's out there speaking for them and that sucks it's not great i agree it does suck but... and i agree too but that's like and yes i think we we've seen in the first half of 2020 that college athletes have found their voice and they're there there's a movement growing of giving the power back to college athletes, but we're not there yet. And there's still things that need to be that they're still going to figure out and still keep moving forward. They can't just put everything on hold and let the college football players form a union. So then they can negotiate a season that's supposed to start in less than two months. Like there's just not like, they're just gonna have to keep moving forward the way they had them moving forward for right now until they, until they keep changing other things around. Sure. Let's be honest. You, you just think because the Ivy league came up with this first and they're like in more intelligent than everybody that got you a little scared. They're like, Oh, they're the smart, they're the smart conference. They know. And now everybody else is, <laughs> may follow. Listen, I, the, the, okay. So here's another way to put it, Jared. What about, let's take football out of it, right? Let's say you're not playing football. Do you feel gross by telling kids that play at Stanford that play at other pack big power five conferences that they're they're sports that are f- funded basically by revenue that gets back to football that hey we're we're closing your sport down because we're not playing football this year they already now did they, that well they're already doing that they need that's why they need to bring football back to have revenue that you're, you're basically saying you're basically telling okay we're we're gonna keep the football players safe with the hopes of of playing again in the future for football because that's the money but in the meantime, every other smaller sport that's on every college campus across the country is going to be at the risk of being eliminated because there's no revenue coming in to fund it. I'm not truly convinced that, that that's hinging just on football. We had Matt Brown on who talked about this. There's a lot of schools that are already considering cutting multiple sports and that's, they can't and afford that's it. Fair, but there's also so putting that on the football real, players is bullshit. But there's also a very real thing of, of these schools, and this is a separate conversation of mismanaging all the money they've gotten and making yeah. arms race in facilities – but they're still at the end of the day, they don't have the money and they need the money from football to fund everything else. Correct. This is, uh, yeah. No, yes, 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 yes. So, Jer, if you had to say, what does the season look like? What, is this, what does the football season look like for you? Uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't see how you do a playoff for a bowl season. No, I don't. There could, there very well might so, be. So, again, like, listen, nobody wants football back more than me. Nobody wants basketball back more than me, but what are you playing for at the end of the day, okay, outside of just but, making, 
but here to, to answer that question though, but every year, what do people play for? The same like five teams you, make the playoff. Okay. But you're, you're in front anyway. of the fans. You, like there's a diff, there's just a difference in like, you're playing in front of fans. Then you play for a bowl game to hopefully go to somewhere warm. Your fan base also gets to go there. It's the middle of winter. It's an excuse to leave. There's, there's stuff there, right? You're playing for something. You're playing, yeah. you're, you're, you're playing for something. If not, the very least we talk about all the time, Iowa gets all those extra practices. It always seems to help out the young guys. Then they get to go. You put more film on tape, NFL draft, whatever. But like, okay, so then you, Iowa, Iowa plays an eight game conference schedule, 10 game conference schedule. Play do, they play Ohio, still, do they play Ohio State still in championship? Sure, why not? The conference, if the conference is putting is unilaterally creating their own season here, they, why not have a conference championship? So we're only playing for Big Ten championship this season. Why not? If the Big Ten's looking at making a ten game conference only schedule, why wouldn't there be a conference conference championship at the end of it? This is going to be the season Iowa goes undefeated, and <laughs> there's no playoffs. That's good. Or that's same, it's also going to be the same thing that White Sox make a deep playoff run and win a World Series on a sixty game schedule. Amen, baby. People are going to beautiful criticize that too. It just seems every you know what it is. It's 2020 has just continuously given me hopelessness, and and the Ivy League today decided that they wanted to add fuel to that fire. And I'm here to tell you that the amount of revenue that the Ivy League brings in compared to these Power Five conferences are peanuts, and the Power Five conferences are not going to be using that as a barometer whether or not they should cancel the football season. Then exhibit the barometer, a, exhibit the, A is the Big Ten floating a 10-game conference schedule when you didn't hear the Ivy League altering their plans all. It was they were going to have a season and we're canceling football together. Uh, correct. But then the barometer is, if it's not that, the barometer then is death. That, I think it's a very dramatic way of looking at it. <laughs> that's fine. I just, I just, that, that's the only other thing then that's going to prevent these guys to, to stop and think because of the money. And then absolutely, but at the same, like this is going to sound morbid, but there, I mean, there are kids who have died on training camps, and that doesn't stop football player football teams from continuing to practice and playing and moving forward. Like I'm, I'm sorry, like it's a it's a very morbid way to look at things, but it happens. No, it does. It 100 does. And how about the CTE numbers that have just continuously go up every year? I mean, that's another morbid way to look at it too. But I mean, these guys are putting their lives on the line every week. I mean, honestly. You look at some of these guys after their football careers, and there is no life. So, it's yeah, football is a hard sport to play. And when you throw in COVID-related issues that you could potentially die from, it makes it even worse. But at some point, we're going to have to try it, I think. I don't think they're going to just not have a football season. Got to risk it for the biscuit. Champ, would you go out there and play football right now? I mean, I played golf in high school. There's a reason I played golf in high school, because I didn't want to get hit. So, no, I would not go play football right now. All right, DC, you're about to have a child. Would would you let your child go and play football to college right now if he was – I wouldn't let my child go play football. (sighs) So, doesn't that – man, football – this sucks. Everything sucks. I'm sorry, folks. This isn't me. I hate this hat. I don't want to wear these pants. I'm just worried. Well, Jerry, how – we'll flip it on you. How do you like your steak? Medium rare. (laughs) <laughs> Jer- or Jer- Dave? I mean, the only answer to this question is medium rare. Anyone that likes their steak, I, I guess if you say rare. You can say medium. Medium or rare is acceptable. But if you say like well done, well done, just don't eat steak. Go eat a rubber tire. It'll taste the same th- way. <laughs> right from Champ first. 
All right. Well, that was not a fun conversation to have, but I think one that was dominating the news, with, especially with the Ivy League's announcement today on Wednesday. Well, let's shift gears. Let's, let's continue to preview the football season as if there's going to be a football season. Sound Will that good, make guys? you happy, Jr. That'll get you pumped up. A little linebacker talk, baby. I mean, it's not the most exciting position group. <laughs> We're Chicago boys. We love the linebacker position. It's time to preview that position right now. So getting into it, who is who needs to be replaced? We have lost Christian Welch for graduation, and Dylan Doyle has decided to transfer following everything that happened with his father as the strength and conditioning coach at the University of Iowa. What is your, on a scale of one to 10, your worry level of replacing those two gentlemen? Jared, we'll start with you. A zero. I'm not worried about it at all. Christian Welsh was a very good football player, but I think Colbert and Nick Neiman have all the potential in the world to fill in those two spots. They have plenty of starts behind them. They have the coaching staff behind them. I just think that the way that I was going more and more to that cash, four, two, five, having athletes on the field, you don't need a Bo Bauer on the field anymore. I don't know if I don't particularly know if Dylan Doyle was more in that Bo Bauer area. He was, the middle or, line, he was a middle linebacker role. Correct. So I'm just assuming, like, yes, it sucks because he was so highly touted, but there's a lot of depth here, including a four star redshirt freshman that's coming up that's a super athlete. And I'd much rather have my linebackers be able to make plays on the field and not just sit back and hopefully plug a hole. I think Nick Neiman, John McCulbert are two fantastic linebackers for this crew. You give it two minutes and Jerry's right back into his optimistic ways. He's at a 0% worry level. Champ, where are you at? I mean, 0 out of 10 is a little low, but I don't expect anything different from Jerome. Uh, I'm going to put it at pretty low myself. I'm going to put it at a 2. I'm not really – That's a 0 for me. Christian Welch (laughs) was a solid player. He wasn't like a great linebacker by any means. So, replacing him, I – like Jer said, John and Colbert, Nick Neiman, probably going to step into those roles. Uh, we'll get to the depth a little later on in the show, but yeah, I'm, I'm at a two. Um, Doyle, he didn't, he played a little bit, but how do we know what we're missing with him? He, he wasn't right. like an every down starter. He wasn't playing in you know, a majority of games. So he may turn out to be a good player. I hope he does, but I, I, we don't know what we're missing with him. Yeah. I'm right there with you guys. I'm going to one and a two myself. Christian Welch, it's hard to replace a leading tackler, but at the same time, when your linebacker's a leading tackler, he's been in the right spot at the right time, and I trust guys like Colbert and Nick Neiman to step in and, and be that same way. I mean, Mon Colbert is just as, if not more athletic than Christian Welch was, and he, I feel like he is going to be the guy in terms of the linebacker level of, of who's going to be there to fill the role of Christian Welch. Uh, let's go right into the into the, all the depth. The guys coming back, we've mentioned them. Colbert, Nick, Nick Neiman, Jack Campbell is going to be playing for that third outside linebacker spot. Barrington Wade, Seth Benson are also guys. Champ, what's your confidence level in all the depth out of 1 to 10 that's coming back for the 2020 season? Uh, I think we have some good depth. Jer mentioned also the little four-star we had uh, the year before. Jacobs. Justin, yeah, Justin, I'm, uh, that's, I'm a guy that I'm pretty excited about. I mean, I think it's pretty solid depth. I mean, we're going now more a four-two-five now, so you don't necessarily have to be like six or seven deep linebacker-wise because only two of them are going to be playing at a time. Uh, the Northern Illinois guy, he may play a little linebacker as well. We mentioned him a couple weeks ago. He could help some depth. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm at a, like an eight and a half out of ten confidence level with the depth of the linebackers. Jared, does that make you an 80, or where is your confidence level going there? 
Yeah, uh, uh, these guys, uh, they're unproven talent. So, not, I mean, I'm not going to tell you that I've spent all my afternoon watching YouTube videos of linebackers because the majority of them are playing secondary and other positions in high school. That's what Iowa does. What I do trust is Seth Wallace and the coaching staff to be able to fill kids in. If Iowa has to go to a 4-3, then I know that they have a guy that can play the middle. He's probably a little bit of like a, a slower type guy that can run downhill and, and, and fill in the gaps on the defensive line, who I already have told you guys from two weeks ago that they're going to be able to fill their gaps and do their jobs and put helmets on helmets. So if they can do that, then the linebacker is going to be able to clean up once again. That Christian Welsh stat that you said earlier, Dave, that tells me more about what the defensive line did more so than what Christian Welsh was. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, I, I just think that guys like Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, Yahweh or Yahweh Judy, even that that came the one-time Kansas State signee, um, and Jacobs are all extreme athletes. That if they don't see a little time on the field, they'll definitely be on special teams, which we'll preview down the line. Um, but they're they're going to be a pretty solid unit all all around. No, I mean you you guys hit the head nail on the head. I think I'm at kind of a seven seven out of ten in terms of my confidence level in this depth. Uh, I think. You hear it, it's it's almost, it's kind of funny. You can't read a linebacker preview on Iowa without mention of them basically ignoring the position in the recruiting trail, but they ignore it because they don't need as many in the starting lineup, but they still have a four-star coming in. They still have a ton of athletes. They move guys down a level from the secondary to have that speed, have that athleticism that you need to play linebacker, and they just add the size in the weight room like they normally do. But yeah, I mean, losing out Christian Walsh, Jarrett, I mean, yes, he was leading tackler a year ago, but I mean, you said it right. The defensive line's filling those gaps, and he's just finishing up the plays right there. I think Jamon, Jamon Colbert can easily replicate that, no doubt. And I think the depth there for playing a 4-2-5, I mean, truthfully, they have the depth to play 4-3 if they need to. I could even probably go 4-4 if they really had to, but there's no need for that anymore in mm -hmm. today's college football. But, yeah, I mean, my confidence level's all right there. Let's go over-under for the linebacker group. We're going to go with Jamon Colbert's total tackles for the season. I'm going to set the over under at 80. Christian Welch was the leading tackler a year ago with 87. Jack Corner for just comparison had 81 and he was in second and Gino Stone had 70 last year. So Jimon Colbert's over under tackles at 80 for the 2020 season, assuming it's a full 12 game season, which I know that might be a little bit different based on the conversation we had earlier today champ what are you taking i'm taking the over i think john colbert is a little bit more athletic than christian Welsh, so i think he's going to be able to go sideline to sideline a little bit better than welsh did so and he's also not going to have a geno stone behind him it's a little bit of a question mark you know that other safety spot so they're probably going to have to make a few more plays the linebackers are so i'll take john colbert i think he's going to be closer to 100 tackles this year i'm going to say like a 97 tackle year for john I like it, champ. Jerry, what are you saying? I'm taking the under, but I want to save my reason why for prediction. Because you think there's only going to be six games? No, I'm being positive again. I told you already I was going to win this whole thing now. All right. Well, I'm going to take the over as well. I actually think that there's a, there's a chance Iowa plays a lot more dime next year. And it's going to just leave the middle of that field for Colbert to just eat up and, and scoop up tackles all over the place. So I'll oh, take somebody's already trying to preview the secondary. Yeah, we're going to get to it maybe next week. But uh, let's go. Let's compare this unit, how they're going to stack up against people on the conference schedule right now. Guys, give me a team on the schedule you think the linebackers are going to struggle with in 2020. Jerry, we'll start with you. 
I, it's it's Ohio State. Like the fact I'm gonna that start, I'm going to start throwing out we can't use Ohio State. <laughs> but, well, at that point, then I don't really think anybody else because those are the two toughest games I think Iowa has on their schedule. So if it's not any of those two, I don't think Iowa's going to – I don't think these linebackers are going to struggle against anybody else. Give, all right. Pick one of those two teams and tell me why. It's Ohio State 100% because of the how explosive that offense is and how good that quarterback is. Yes, champ, you heard it right. I'm finally giving him his just due. Justin Fields – is the guy that I hope eventually gets to play for the Chicago Bears. And if there isn't a spring season – Oh, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean the Chicago Bears? Isn't Mitch the answer for the next 15 years? Not now. Oh, okay. Not now. Not now. We're talking about something more positive, remember? <laughs> yeah, six-game football season. It, uh, Stop it. It, it only <laughs> took Jerry a year to finally give Justin Fields some love. I'm glad it finally happened. Listen. All right, champ, give me a team that the linebackers might struggle with. I'm not going to pick one of these two teams because that's just the easy answer. I'm going to pick Iowa State because I think Iowa State spreads it out a lot. They have a lot of four wide receiver sets, and I think some of these linebackers are going to be put are going to be put in situations where they're going to have to guard a slot receiver a little bit more often they can. than they are in most games. I, I mean, they – they got a little bit exposed last year in that Iowa State game. They they ratcheted it up in the second half. They played a lot better in the second they half. Got exposed. I mean, they, there was a couple big, couple big plays early on in that Iowa State game with linebackers on the field. They they switched it up a little bit. So that Brock Purdy, everybody's touting him as you know going to be this great quarterback this year. So I'll say Iowa State just for the yeah. fact that they don't run the ball a ton. So they're going to spread it out. These linebackers are going to be in some difficult matchups. Yeah, uh, I'm. I will say Penn State real quick, just to just to note that they have a great tight end group. They have a great quarterback. They have a great offensive line. So I think out of the Penn State Ohio State duo, I actually think Penn State is going to be harder to deal with than Ohio State for this linebacker group. But to go a different direction and follow my own rule here, I'm going to say I'm going to say a sneaky one might be Northwestern, a re- fully returning healthy offensive line a healthy running back and you get uh, Peyton Ramsey from Indiana transferring in who actually might be a better quarterback than whoever the five-star from Clemson was. Those are all a recipe for a very hard game for, for a linebacking core to, to play well against. It's not a bad call. Nah. Chair, if we're going to flip the question, what, what you, what team on the schedule will the unit dominate against? Wisconsin. Ooh, I have them written down too. Tell me why. I, I truly believe that anything Wisconsin is going to throw out there, I know that these guys can plug a hole. So if Wisconsin is going to try to go ahead and run the football, I think these guys are more than capable of chasing down a bruiser. And I don't think that they have the great receiving core that they've had in the past. And if they do, a guy like Nick Neiman, who I'm still saving, I'm salivating, I can't wait to talk about him. I think he's going to do everything and more against the Badgers. I like it. I have Wisconsin on my list too. I think having to replace uh, um, the running game, it's going to be hard enough right there. But Champ, who who is a unit or team that this linebacker unit is going to play well against? I also had Wisconsin written down on my sheet, but I'll switch it up. I'll go the opposite of what you just said, DC. I have Northwestern written down on my list because I just don't believe in their offense at all after watching them last year. I understand they have a new quarterback. A lot of the offensive lines going back. But that offensive line wasn't good last year. So they may all be coming back, and that may be a positive for some people, but they were awful. Their offense was probably the worst in the Big Ten last year. It was abysmal watching them play offensively in the Big Ten, out of the conference. 
Pat Fitzgerald, I know, is a defensive guy, but he needs to figure out something on that offense. So I think Iowa could have a big game against JNU and, and just dominate the Kitty Cats. Ooh, the Kitty Cats. JNU. I'm going to go, I'm, since Jared took Wisconsin, I'm going to throw it in their team that we know the coaching head coaches tr- – Issues with offense his entire his entire career. We know it very fondly. Lovey Smith. It's Lovey Smith and it's the Illinois fighting Illini. Um, I just don't have any. It's the same reason, Champ, that you just had. Is I just don't believe in Illinois' offense whatsoever. They're going to win. They're going to get to six games on the back of their defense, and that's it. And I think Illinois poses just no threat at all offensively in the in – <laughs> You guys are already hating on Illinois. It makes me want to stick up for them already. Yeah, go ahead. Start talking about your boy at quarterback like you did all last year. I just just honestly can't believe that you're going to – like, at the end of the season, you think Illinois is going to have a worse offense than Northwestern? I don't. I don't either. (laughs) Thank you. I do. That – I okay. That's fine. Lovey's going to get it together. The Illini are going to be – Okay, wait. Lovey's going to get it together. How many times do we say that every freaking July? I mean, it's college. It's, I mean, it's a little bit different. You put an offensive coordinator in charge, and this guy's just going to go in and run with it. I, I he literally just, tried. He literally would take offensive coordinators from Illinois and try to put them in charge, and it didn't work. Well, that was the opposite. See, he went to Illinois, and now he's going to hire outside go guys. Ahead, just them. talk up your boy Brandon Peters. He did it all last year. He's a bomb, but go ahead, talk him up. I mean, are we sure that it's just going to be his job? Are you already selling out on Isaiah job. Williams? It should be Isaiah Williams. Up. It should have been Isaiah Williams' job last year. You can't deny that Peters came through. Peters he came through a, way better than you thought he was he going was to be last year. He was a game manager and nothing more. That's fine. I, You know what, Champ? I agree with you. This is definitely Isaiah Williams' job to lose this season, and I think he's the reason why Illinois can become more dynamic in a college spread type offense that Illinois is going to go in and, and, and bring out this year. And then you let Lovey just focus on the defense, just like Pat Fitzgerald. It's a similar situation, but I trust Illinois and the recruits that they get more so than Northwestern on the offensive side of football. I honestly can't believe the two of you are buying into Lovey Smith's ability to fix an offense yet again. I just, I, I, I really. I'm not necessarily buying into it. I just think <laughs> Isaiah Williams is more talented than anything Northwestern has. That's fair. That's that's a fair statement. All right, let's go to the biggest question mark for the Iowa linebackers. This is not an Illinois football podcast. Jerry, is this where your Nick Neiman part comes in? Is that going to be a little bit later still? It could come in right now. Do you want it right now? I, just want, your, I want your biggest question mark. What's the biggest question mark? Oh, no, he's not my question mark at all. The, the question mark that I have for this linebacking crew is can they stay healthy? I just – I am – I Colbert – question. What? I mean, that's the biggest question mark to me. I already told you I was at a zero, so I had to come up with something. I'm ready to explode for the positivity. So if you want to just go ahead and bring it to that, no problem. But Colbert has had an injured past, and a guy like Nick Neiman's had to step in for him. So as long as those two can stay healthy and a guy behind them can step in, I'm good. I'm good with the linebacking core. All right. Well, Champ, what's your biggest question since Jerry had a boring one? So mine is, I think at some point this year, there's going to be some young linebackers that are going to have to step in and play meaningful snaps. And that to me is going to be a question mark. Can these young guys come in that have not really played before for the Hawkeyes on defense? They may have played some special team snaps. Can one or two of these young guys come in if a Jimon Colbert gets hurt, if a Nick Neiman gets hurt? Because behind those guys, it's a lot of young players. They're they're highly touted, some of them. But that's a big question mark to me. Can they get in there? Can they play meaningful snaps and contribute and help this defense? 
So basically it's if the if Jerry's question is can they not stay, if they don't stay healthy, your question is the young guys can they step and play well? Fits perfectly. Yeah, it actually I it fits pretty well. I'm I'm, not, I don't think I'm a, a as big of a believer in Nick Neiman as Jerry's. Oh. And I, I think one of these young guys, that's gonna get to my little specialty later. I think one of these young guys is gonna end up stepping in and being the starter next to Jamin Colbert. So my biggest question mark is does Iowa have the linebacking personnel to play in different packages if they need to get away from the four two five? If they need to play four three, if they need to play dime and play with one linebacker, do they have the personnel around to mix and match based on what the offenses that are going up against dictate it? I, you can you can like to say you want to play four two five, but there are going to be cases, especially when you play Wisconsin, where you're going to need to be four three. You're going to need to have an extra linebacker out there. The reason I'm not concerned about that, DC, is that from everything that I have heard from inside the locker room and the coaching and the, and the meetings inside that, that position group, they're all learning each other's positions. Like Nick Neiman knows how to play inside and knows how to play outside. Same with Colbert. He knows how to play inside, he can play outside. And the fact that all these guys with this type of athletic ability can play all three of those positions or two of those positions – or if one of them can even float out to be cash every now and then just to have some sort of like guy that can also play the run. I think there's the ability to, like you mentioned, they could probably go a four, four, if they wanted to, they could probably get a little TCU action going if they wanted to. Right. And I think that's, it's something that they need to be able to do. I think you hear all about this four, two, five and the, you know, developing this cash position, but there's still teams in the big 10. that like to run the football. Right. There are well, still teams who need to have the extra linebacker and they're playing against the run or having a fifth down lineman or something. Like you need to be, you can't, there's no way in fo- modern college football today that you can just be one set defense and stick to it. We saw this with Iowa up until they switched to the 4 2 5. They're always 4 3 and bend and don't break. They just suck that way. You need to be able to go back to that. You need to be able to be adjusting. And I think the biggest question mark is you just hear about filling two spots but they really still need to have a third spot to fill in in certain situations. Yeah. It's good too, that the guys that are behind them though, aren't just walk-ons. Like they just flip right. it from, they, they get find them in a cornfield that's playing like eight on eight football. And then they put them in as a linebacker. No. And that's hundred percent right. Like I, I'm glad that they're able to find linebackers still after for Strumster injuries, like publicly saying that they're not recruiting for it. It's just, it seems like a dumb thing to say publicly, but hey, glad you're still finding guys to, to fill spots in there. But that's me my biggest question mark. But let's before Jerry, I let you go. Very oh, optimistic, champ. Give me your underreaction prediction. We're gonna let Jerry close with the overreaction. So give me your underreaction to start. So my underreaction is besides Jime and all the other linebackers that have to play struggle, and it's just a rotation of mediocre guys. That to me is you know something that could happen I hope it doesn't but Jimon Colbert to me is the only guy that you can really fully count on coming into this year because he's he's had 24 starts already for the Hawkeyes he's been out there he's played meaningful games and a lot of these guys haven't so that's uh, an underrated thing to me is it, they can't find that second linebacker or even third if they go to a 4-3 and it's just a rotation of mediocre and they're just not making plays it's a fair prediction. Mine is going to be, it's similar to my biggest question mark is I was forced to go for three to stop opponent run games. And they're just not able to stop the run game and they get run on a lot because then they have to figure out how they can play four to five and stop the run. They have to figure out how they can 
at least not get a get you know killed on the ground game with a third linebacker in there. I think that is a realistic possibility that no one's that no one's talking about. So it was your your biggest thing is the end of the Wisconsin game when Jonathan Taylor just consistently was getting first down after first down when we were trying to stop them. That needs to be the focus. I think every year until they beat Wisconsin is being able to stop the Wisconsin run game late in the season. If you you can play yep. four two five and make make Wisconsin throw the ball and they're going to be just fine running the ball. You, it's just to me that's the biggest question mark beat the team that you have your eyes set on that is be, keeps beating you consistently year in and year out right now but Jared, what is your underreaction prediction breach i think my underreaction is that a lot of this depth that people are kind of talking about they're probably better get ready to just kind of play special teams because i don't really see too much of it happening there's a reason that i would move to a four two five put it out there that way yeah all right, I'll kick my overreaction prediction off. I didn't even write one down, but uh, I think Iowa, Javon Colbert's playing so well, and they're he's able to make so many plays that Iowa's able to go predominantly play, play time and get an extra defensive back, get even more speed out in the field, and let Colbert clean up everything, and there's not a reason to be concerned about Iowa going even even with even fewer linebackers on the field. I think that's a great case scenario for the Iowa defense because they're swarming, they're making plays, they're getting the quarterback, and they're making stops in the, in the secondary. And if Iowa can, can just leave as much speed on the field as possible, it's a good thing. Champ, what is your overreaction prediction? So I think Nick Neiman is just sort of a black player. Like he's You're so fucking He's wrong. fine to be out there. There's a reason he hasn't played a lot of meaningful snaps and he's going to be approaching his senior year this year, correct? This is his fourth and final year with Iowa. So my overreaction prediction is Justin. My boy Justin steps in there, the four-star linebacker that redshirted last year because he came in basically as a safety. He was 205 pounds. He could run all over the field. He bulked up. He's now 230 pounds. He got in the weight room. He redshirted. He got bigger. And he is going to be a wonderful linebacker for the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is going to be his first year, his coming out party. And by the time his career is over, he's going to be in the same mention as guys like Abdul Hodge, Chad Greenway, Josie Jewell. He's going to be in that in that repertoire, in that greatness of Iowa linebackers, Justin Jacobs. Big time year coming this year for him. Chair cannot just contain himself anymore. He's bowing his head. He's ready to go. I'm just continuing to talk so he can't say anything right now. And it's driving him crazy. Jeremiah, take the reins over to you. What is your overreaction optimistic prediction for the Iowa linebackers in the year 2020 of this Big Ten hopeful football season? I agree with you, champ. Justin Jacobs is going to have a big-time role in this team, but it's not spelling Nick Neiman. No, sir. It's going to be spelling Jimon Colbert because I don't know if you remember what happened with Jimon the last time we saw him play against an elite offense, but it was him getting taken out in favor of Nick Neiman, which gets me to my overreaction. Nick Neiman's going to lead this team not only in tackles, he's going to lead them in strip sacks, and he might just lead them in interceptions because what happened the last time we saw Neiman play against USC. Do you remember? Strip sack. Strip sack. And a interception for a touchdown. The way he played that receiver on the outside was absolutely perfect. This is a guy that understands coverage. This is a guy that understands how to play inside. He's a senior. He's had every sort of 
opportunity to learn, to already get swole. He's played for the system. His father is a part of the program. This is the kid to bet on. This is going to be Iowa's best defensive player this season. I think you just cut your mic out in the middle of that speech, passionate speech there, Jerry. He also, to add to that, Jerry, he's been trading with his brother, who's also already an NFL linebacker. Thank you. That Neiman family understands how to play coverage linebacker. That's what they do. I like it. I like it. Someone's got your back on the beat. You started very low, Jared, this episode. You've ended up at a very high. It was like riding you at the top of a roller coaster. And he, he even stood up there to, with the <laughs> extra motion. I know everybody can't see him, but he stood up out of his chair. He was pounding the table for Nick Neiman. We'll see what happens. Him and Justin would be really fun. Like, I like Colbert a lot, but he did get his ass whooped against USC. He, he, he did. did. He did. But you know what? He's what have you also done for me recently? probably the most athletic linebacker they have right sure. now. Sure. Well, I think Nick Neiman's going to be taking that role real With quick. playing experience, champ. He's fucking uber athletic, boys. You're gonna what about Eric Epinesa? He could be the most athletic. He's from a good-ass family. Yeah, I think he's going to get redshirted. <laughs> Doesn't mean he's not a good athlete. <laughs> this is true. All right, guys. Anything else to wrap up the show this week? Linebackers, it's. Ex- I mean, it may not be the most exciting position. <laughs> You're about to say it's so exciting. They're. I mean, they're they're key members of this team. They got to make plays. The linemen have to, you know, clog up the lanes. But linebackers got to go make plays. So we need we need some big things out of them. If Iowa's defense is going to be successful, tell me the last time Iowa had a bad linebacking core, uh... or at least didn't have one or two studs on that. Uh, whether they're playing four three or four two five, they have. Yes. Yeah, they find guys to do what they want them to do, and I just think believing again, it's believing in the system, believing in what Phil Parker does. No, I mean you're both absolutely right. It's it's a boring, unsexy position group, but we also have come to know what to expect from the group as a whole. It's a lot of just plug and expect the same type of production from different guys. So I, I, it's not popular, it's not sexy, but there's really nothing to be super concerned about with the linebacker group. And that's really all that there is to say about it. We'll we'll move on. We're gonna get to more exciting position groups the rest of this way. We get the secondary. We got the quarterback and Keith Duncan to go through. We're gonna combine those two, and we're gonna close out with arguably the most exciting position group on this Hawkeye team this year. Punter it is the skill position group, which is something I don't think any of us have ever thought we could say. But those are gonna come in the next few weeks, and uh, we'll we'll be hopefully have a full college football season to preview after that. But until then, for Jer, for Champ, I'm DC. Subscribe to the podcast. We're going to get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter. And we'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Enjoy. I think you're sexy, Nick Neiman. Medium rare steaks. Go out. Enjoy those guys. Hawk Hawk! Trick or treat, Iowa City! (laughs) If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.